Welcome back to our new season, Green Bites by Sustainable Asia. I'm Shermaine Lee, and I'm Bonnie Ao. Green Bites is a weekly show that delivers our handpicked news roundup on green stories in Asia that you should know about. Charmaine, I don't know about you, but I feel like in recent years we're definitely seeing a lot more people from the younger generation showing interest in environmental issues, and a lot of that influence, I'd say, comes from young Swedish environmental activist Greta Thunberg. That's for sure. And recently, young climate protesters in Japan, South Korea, and Vietnam have been rallying against a coal-powered plant project in Vietnam named Hong An Tu. The project has come under fire for its large greenhouse gas emission and a reversal of Asian countries' climate goals. Their source of inspiration, Greta Thunberg, was also seen voicing her support for the protests on social media. Yeah, I've heard about that project as well, and there's a major backlash against its progress. I know that the state-owned Japan Bank for International Cooperation is set to finance the project, with loan support from the Export-Import Bank of Korea and the Japanese Export Credit Agency. Hmm, exactly. That triggered protests in these three countries. In Japan, large corporations are responding to climate activists' demand. A group of nine people, led by Kyo University student Momoko Nojo, sent an open letter at the year end of 2020 to companies backing the project, demanding them to cancel their plans. They asked in the letter, "Quote: How is the Hongyan Two project consistent with the Paris Agreement, to which Japan and Vietnam are signatories, and the goal to limit global warming to within 1.5 degrees Celsius?" What's positive is that all companies receiving the letter responded to the deadline in mid-January, so at least they aren't burying their heads in the sand. But sadly, I don't think the climate protesters like their responses. Mitsubishi claimed that the Vietnamese government strongly requests them to build the plant to help with the daily power shortages in the capital city Hanoi, although they promised not to engage in any new coal-fired power plants in the future. They didn't agree to pull their fund out. And Vietnam is also particularly vulnerable, with four typhoons struck the central region in a single month, where the plant is also located. Can you imagine how risky that is for the people living nearby? It just sounds irresponsible for countries and companies to support that rather backward project. Hmm, I definitely agree. And the ongoing climate activism aside, in this episode, we're going to cover China's new national emissions trading scheme, Mekong River's drying crisis, India's more serious floods in the future, and Hong Kong's upcoming lab-grown fish. So, starting with China, they've just started this national emissions trading scheme on the first of February. Over 2,200 power operators that account for about 14% of the world's carbon dioxide are now allocated pollution allowances this year. The official trading on the Shanghai Environment and Energy Exchange will be launched in the middle of this year. This means companies that can't reduce emissions can buy additional carbon credits and have a larger quota to emit carbon dioxide. Hmm. This means companies might have more incentives to limit their carbon emissions, right? That's right, Shermaine. And some data have shown that in 2019, these voluntary carbon offsets led to over 100 million metric tons of carbon dioxide to be removed or prevented that year. 
On the other hand, though, China is at the same time diverting so much water from their dams that the Upper Mekong River in Southeast Asian countries is expected to dry during prime agricultural seasons. Those areas are housing about 60 million people. Some analysts are saying that the affected countries, namely Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, and Vietnam, are not likely to complain because they wouldn't want to affect their relationships with Beijing. Now, that doesn't just affect people's rice fields in the lower river basin. The lower Mekong actually is responsible for supplying 80% of the animal protein needs for people living near the basin. It is also the world's largest freshwater fishery. Do you remember we mentioned in previous episodes that Tonglesap Lake in Cambodia is in extremely dry conditions and the low fish stock pushed many young people to the cities for work? And this is exactly part of the result. Hmm, it indeed affects so many countries in the region. Vietnam is once again in the hot seat as the dryness compounded by saltwater intrusion worsened droughts in the last two years. That might explain why they partnered up with China's biggest rivalry, the U.S., to gear up anti-drought measures and build access to water data for government planning. Reports show that climate change will cause an uneven shift of tropical rain belts that can lead to more floods in some parts of India. And when I say tropical rain belts, I'm referring to a narrow band of heavy precipitation near the equator. Mm, I can imagine how tough for them it will be, as India is already one of the countries that suffer from floods the most. The study's author said that glacier melting in the Himalayas and loss of snow cover in northern areas from climate change will bring more heat to Asia, and in turn, more rain. Okay, moving on to something more fun and positive. Hmm, actually it's going to be a deja vu moment. Do you remember Singapore's lab-grown chicken dishes we talked about in the first episode? Reuters reported that in Hong Kong, a cook is testing out what might be the world's first lab-grown fish. As you know, our city has long been a fishing village, so this new meat is close to our heart. If they start serving it in restaurants, Charmaine, you should definitely try it out. Mm, I'm up for it. In fact, one of my childhood memories revolves around gobbling up a fried fish burger at a local fast food joint, so when I knew the cook fried up a lab-grown fish fillet and put tata sauce on it, that got me really excited. It also makes me happy that this invention might help with the issue of overfishing, as we can still make a fish burger without much slaughtering. The startup Avant is still testing the product out, but the launch might not be far. That's all for this week's Green Bites. If you have any green knowledge that you'd like to know, don't hesitate to comment on our social media platforms with the hashtag ShareYourBite. Last week, Shermaine and I were live on the 123 show on our local radio RTHK about the stories behind the launch of Green Bites. We had a great chat with the host, Noreen, on our inspirations and challenges. We also discussed a bit about our personal journeys. Check out the full interview on their Facebook page or the RTHK website. We also shared it on the Sustainable Asia Facebook page. Please subscribe to our podcast channels for more content and share our podcast with your friends and family. To find out more about us, visit our website sustainableasia.co or follow us on Twitter at Sustainable Asia or Facebook Sustainable Asia Co. Thank you.